All right, let's let's get this out. So make sure you share it. Let's get the folks out tonight. Okay. Um, Apparently I am terrible with doing that and I need to work on that. <laughs> let's get into it. <clears throat> All right. I hate that I can't play music tonight because Facebook just would not allow me to play my jams. Um, you know, Facebook doesn't allow you to be at your greatest, you know. They won't yeah. let you be great at all. They won't let you be great at all. They, they just don't, they, you know. <laughs> They'll let you, you know, be, I guess they're like, you know, we'll let you, you know, be halfway, but yeah. to your full potential, to your greatest, nah, we, we can't have It ain't that. happening. It ain't happening. Well, tonight, uh, Monica, I don't have to keep welcoming you to the uh, Relationship Zone. You are truly my ride or die um, guest co-host for the next, I don't know, what are we like, 11 weeks now, or it's going to be 11 or 12 weeks. So this should be pretty, pretty interesting, pretty fun. So I don't have to keep welcoming you. It's just like, hey, great. <laughs> okay. Hey. Um, but it's always a pleasure to have you stop by the relationship zone. Um, I am really, really blessed and so super psyched over having you to join me over the next few Mondays so we can have these conversations with um not just our women, but our men. They come in as well. So our men, they start coming in the middle of February till the end of March. Um, and I have a surprise for you because I made a connection today with a group of brothers. It's about five of them and um they have invited um the relationship zone to their show and they have agreed to come to this show so i'm hoping to be able to get them um as part of our uh, men's segment um in march so fingers crossed we're gonna get okay. this going with I the men all right good. i'm excited i'm ready all right perfect can you, you do me a favor can you turn up your volume just a little bit and i don't know can you hear me okay I, I don't have my. Well. You can hear me, okay? Yes. Cool. I don't have my can microphone on tonight. Yeah, you're a little low. Um, hmm. okay. I'm so used to having this big old microphone in my face. Oh. Our guest. So, so hey, Facebook. Hey, y'all. What's going on? Sorry, I didn't even um really greet y'all properly. I'm sorry. We were over here talking as if, again, <laughs> it's just us. But we actually have a live show tonight. And we're going to be talking to Miss Sabrina. I'm so sorry about the noise, guys. I'm just over here trying to get my life over here. Um, but we're going to be talking to Sabrina, who um, agreed to join us in um, in conversing about the life of a caretaker or caregiver, whichever one you want to call it. Let me change my my, my microphone. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Is that a little better? Oh, that's great. What about my sound? Does it still sound low or it sounds good? No, you're good. Good volume. Okay, perfect. Um, all right, so let's get into this. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna uh we have a special guest that's coming tonight. She's gonna join us a little later. So um, until she joins us, of course, Monica and I will always start off our show um with a topic that either we're talking about an individual that of course is probably rich and famous or famous or as a celebrity, or we'll talk about things that matter. <laughs> really really matter not the celebrities don't matter but they just don't matter that much no so um 
You are joining us here at the Relationship Zone where we talk about love, life, and all things relationships. And tonight, um, in addition to talking about caregiving of our elderly family members, um, we're also going to be talking about that superwoman syndrome. So on Hey Sis, Hey, you all right? Uh, I figured that would be a good topic. So Monica, the superwoman syndrome where we feel that we can do all the things and should do all the things and the pressure of doing all the things, success, relationships, um, family ships, holding the fort down, working, you know, college, uh, you know, leadership positions, buying the best car, the biggest house, taking care of all the people, all the family that's back in wherever, you know, all that stuff. Um, it's, can be a lot. And I would like to know, have you ever experienced the superwoman syndrome? And if you haven't, have you ever witnessed anyone that could be experiencing the superwoman syndrome? Well, thank you for the question, Queenie. And hello, Facebook viewers. I hope everyone is having a great Monday and also a great start of the week. And to answer your question, Queenie, actually, I have witnessed it with my aunt who raised me. Uh, she was a single parent and raised her daughter and her son, her daughter same age as me, her son five years younger. And for those who aren't familiar, I'll just give like a brief, quick overview. My aunt raised me because I was involved in a very tragic accident that killed my entire family at the age of nine. And so one of my mother's sisters, my aunt, uh, she raised me. And so she did a absolutely phenomenal job. But speaking about that superwoman syndrome, I'm going to touch more on her. Um, she, she was the epitome of the superwoman syndrome. She felt like that she had to be the mom, the aunt, the caring aunt, especially having a niece that had now a physical disability and different emotions associated with what happened to her niece and to the family tragically while making sure that she raised us properly and indoctrinate a moral system and Christianity and faith, but then also making sure that she was that uh, family member that uh, tried to make sure that she got along with everyone in spite of the, her difference of opinions and her different views of family matters and, and family business. But yet she felt the need to just suppress you know, her feelings and then also be this phenomenal woman at work and go above and beyond the call of duty while just managing her home and managing family and relationships and all of that. And to the point where I saw at times that my aunt was so burnt out because yeah. she tried to be everything to everybody. And I, I felt like that spilled over to us you know, coming from the perspective of just being a, a strong woman, feeling like, oh, I don't need anyone to, to do anything for me. That also spilled into relationships and previous relationships I've had, you know, with men that, oh, I, I don't need you to do this. I got this. You know, or I, you know, I can handle this because that was how I was raised. That was the type of women I saw in my family. That was my grandmother. And so I felt, not only did I feel that way, that's what my actions exude. It yeah. was no, I, I got this. I can do this. I can do. And I still have that perception to a certain extent, uh, but I'm learning as you, as you get older, that it's okay not to be everything to everybody when it comes to certain aspects of your life and certain yeah. aspects of, of what you're trying to do and accomplish. So. Oh my goodness, girl. It, it gets a lot of us. And, you know, I was sharing with you earlier that um, as a black woman and not to minimize any of my, you know, sisters of, any other race or ethnicity, um, but black women, we oftentimes carry it a whole lot differently. 
it's a lot more heavier for us. Um, I mean, I think, I think we just come into it differently. And again, this is not to, um, to take away from men. Cause trust me, I'm gonna get to the men on, you know, next month, but, <laughs> but as sisters, I think um, even, even, I think men put the pressure on us too. They think that we're supposed to handle it as well. And not all, but I'm saying that some, they have these expectations. We can handle the house, the kids, the food, picking up the cleaners, um, them, you know, being home or not that, you know, their jobs taking them away. And we're, it's a lot. There's this huge expectation. And, um, and we, I need to figure out ways for many, for myself, for others to get to a place where we're saying, you know what? No, I'm, I'm not okay. This is too much. Um, and, you know, I shared earlier, I said, you know, the opposite of strength is what? Fragility. And, you know, yes. in the black community, fragility is frowned upon. It is. And that's some pressure, but it's even pressure going back to my men. It's even pressure for the men. Um, we expect them to be like strong and mandingos and all these other things, right? True. They're just men. They're just, <laughs> they're just True. men. And they're human beings. Um, they're, human beings. They're, they're human beings, right? So yes. um, so for those of you that may not know what superwoman syndrome is, I'm just gonna read a few notes that I have here because we don't have a lot of time. Um, but I want to make sure that uh I at least um touch base on like some of the, the, the things to look for, um, if you may be experiencing this and then some tips. And then of course, I think we can, I think we can come back to this conversation, maybe even later on after we speak with, um, Sabrina about her journey as a caregiver. Um, so here we go. So through, you know, qualitative research, um, we realized that African-American women, again, it just hits us a lot differently. There's a perceived obligation to be present, um, or even to present an image of strength all the time. Uh, there's a perceived, perceived obligation to suppress our emotions. Um, and if we do, if we do decide to show our emotions, we are, you know, we're titled the angry black woman. Um, so if we're just being real, if we're just having a moment, if we just want to express that we're upset, um, you know, it comes with a whole nother negative connotation. So um, a perceived obligation to resist help, as you mentioned, and, um, you know, res to resist being vulnerable to others, especially to our, you know, our, our, our male counterparts, whenever we out here in these streets, these single streets, um, sometimes it's difficult to be vulnerable. Well, but we also, and I'm not saying it's not warranted because some people just take advantage of those vulnerabilities, right? Um, but that's another thing. Um, and also a motivation to succeed despite our limited resources. We will make a meal out of nothing, right? And I, and I mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's really how we have been, um, I think, um, conditioned to survive is no matter what you got. And if you think about aunties and I mean, I know I'm a little older than you are. So my grandmother, great grandmother, all those people back in the day, they would really make something out of absolutely nothing. Now that is a blessing. And I think that's, it's, it's something to, you know, to, to, be, to, to mention, but it also passes down this mindset that we are supposed that this is supposed to be normal it's not normal it's a lot of extra pressure you know yes. um and it does not allow us to just be um and also uh prioritization of caregiving that's another thing uh in the black community you know we've been conditioned to believe and i'm not saying that we're not but we've been a lot of us conditioned or left to take care of our loved ones can't, can't afford to get any outside help or we don't trust anyone. 
because right. we can do it all. Um, right. So we don't trust anyone. So we take it on ourselves. Um, it's frowned upon if we ask for help to take care of auntie or uncle or mom or dad. They're looking at you like, what's wrong with you? You know, you're, you should be able to sacrifice it all and take care of them because they took care of you. And, you know, that is told to us. It's not even, you know, it's not even something that we just think. No, it's like our family, sometimes the community look at us like, uh-uh, you better go and take care of that. Even that child, like, like, think about it, like with adoption in the black community, um, that's not something that we just openly talk about or openly do right. because it's expected no matter what the environment is, you better handle it. <laughs> and especially if you're the firstborn, like the firstborn male firstborn. or just the firstborn, that is an automatic expectation upon you. Mm. And, you know, don't, don't let you also have a family of your own that you have created and a husband mm. and, you know, a couple of beautiful kids. That's just the expectation. They expect yeah. you to do it all. Yeah. To do it they all. Because that that was trickled down. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So typical superwoman or the super, super, superwoman is of course, the moms, the professionals, the wives, the homemakers, the volunteers, the community organizers, the athletes. I have been the superwoman for so long and probably not until my father passed away did I give up the um I gave up the uh the cape that when he passed away and I broke down and no one was there to really help pick me up because I'm known to be so strong I realized in that moment I did that to myself I really 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 needed someone to be close to me in that moment, but people just figured I would be okay. And, and I don't, I don't fault them at all. It was just a lesson that was learned in that moment. Like, you know what? You did this to yourself. You allow people to see you as the epitome of strength. Yes. You know, handling it all, you know, saving the community, lifting up the family, you know, there for the kids. <laughs> you know, off living your best life and, yep. Yep. <laughs> and still yes. smiling. And be quick to say, oh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing Absolutely. well, or yes. I, I got this, you know, covering your vulnerability, afraid yes. to show your vulnerability, afraid to show that, you know what? No, I'm actually under, I feel under siege. I feel a lot of pressure. It's daunting mm -hmm. at times, but we're just, we're just afraid to, to show that we're afraid yes. because They've gotten acclimated to seeing you, the strong, tough, you can handle anything instead of looking at you from the perspective of, but you're human. Yes. You're human. Yes, yes, yes. I'm telling you, there's so much that come with the pressure of, um, you know, suffering from the superwoman syndrome. There's a lot that, I mean, you, you know, anxiety, depression, resentment, frustration, bouts of irritability, you name it people feel it. They may not say it. Typically they internalize it, but then they feel victimized. They feel like they're not seen or heard or the family devalues them. Um, they just don't, they don't feel connected. They don't feel, they don't feel like they're appreciated oftentimes whenever they're playing the role of the superwoman. Um, and, and I think it's just really, really tough. And, and, you know, I shared earlier, um, when we were talking about, you know, tips and I'm still figuring this out myself, but I believe that the first thing we must do is recognize the signs and, yes. and know how we feel when, you know, um, a situation arises and we, we, we jump, we put that cape on and we fly in to take care of everything um, and still hold it down on the backside. That's overwhelming. It's exhausting. And yeah. I think we have to recognize that and get to a place where we can clearly say, you know, without a doubt, like, listen, 
I need help. I can't do all this. And, and the people around us, if anyone's listening, you know, I think they have to start to recognize that some family members are really, really, really exhausted and they're tired. The strong people need help too. Absolutely. Your strong folks need help too. They need a reprieve. They do need a reprieve. And if I could just throw in just uh, something that I, well, it's not something, but it's a principle um, that comes from the Bible and we're, we're not designed to carry the burden. The burden, and, and the Bible talks about that. The burden, Jesus asks you to cast your cares, your burdens upon me. Leave them at the foot of my throne because I am designed to carry those burdens for you. What you are designed to do is to make sure that you be the best version of what I've created you. I created you in my image and I expect you to be the best version of what I designed you and created you to be. And being designed, created to be the best version of who we are was not meant for us to carry those burdens. And I know it's easier said than done, but we're not designed to carry all these burdens. Yeah. Girl, yes, I look, look, look. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, look, there's help now. Like in the beginning, without the knowledge, without the resources, without access, you know, nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. I get it. But now there's help. There's, there's oodles and oodles of resources to support you there. There's support groups. And I think we have to normalize not being all the things to everybody. Right. It is okay. You You can't can't satisfy everybody. No. And and I, I, I feel like when you meet someone or a couple of people that get you, like I, I've learned that there are a couple of people that actually get me. And so when I feel that from that individual or individuals, then I open up and sing like a canary. Yeah, uh, yeah cause I'm full of, and you know me, I will sit yeah. here and text you <laughs> a three, four page letter like right. the song of Leah, right? <laughs> Uh, to the point it's like okay you know what Mo, just pick up the phone for me like why girl right just just leave me a voice clip (laughs) right you're like yeah send me a voice clip because i will sit there and text you to death all time and forget because i'm in such a zone i'm forgetting that that's what i'm doing yeah um but we we've got to learn how to right seek that help first of all recognize it then seek it and then also know that there was always help there from the beginning yeah yeah. always help there from the beginning and sometimes they're waiting for us just to reach out and and say hey I'm, I'm here I've been waiting on you yeah yeah I've been I've been wanting to be there for you yep yep I agree I and agree. when you try to be everything to everybody you also you, I mean you lose authenticity of yourself you really do yeah. because there's no way in the world that you can be everything to every, you just can't yep you can't because because you'll well, you'll have nothing left for yourself exactly and you've lost part of yourself. And, and one thing that I'm just simply not going to do is lose a part of myself. Uh, you know, whether it's good, good or not, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. I'm holding on to that. Oh, that's bad. I'm going to hold that shit too. No. Well, I'm just going to hold it until I, until I deal with it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to hold it and fix it. Yeah, I'm going to decide. At the end of the day, right, at the end of the day, it is what it is. That's just what it is. So for sure, for sure. All right, girl, we're going to go ahead and I see our guest is here. Um, I think lastly, I just want to say before I let her in, because I'm sure she's going to bring us some insight on what it's like being a caregiver um, and balancing the, the superwoman syndrome as well, because I'm sure that's part of, you know, her journey also. Um, but 
for those of you that are listening, and if you know the strong woman, um, please check in with her. And, and I don't mean embarrass her or make her feel less than. Um, I don't mean single her out and make her feel, you know, afraid to respond and say, yeah, I need help. But I mean, just just do a sister circle with her, you know, let her know. And even if you have to use your own stuff, your own thoughts, like, yeah, girl, you know, I've been feeling overwhelmed. How are you feeling? Sometimes it allows um, room for us to talk and say, you know what, child? Yeah, let me get this glass of wine. Let me talk about it and listen and be there. You know, don't rush them. Just be there because I'm telling you, you may be that only that only ear that even offers a, some, you know, space for, to be heard. So Absolutely. be that for someone because it's real. It's really, really real. And it's tough. And I don't want to see, I don't want to lose any more of our women. Uh, I don't, I don't want to lose any more of our women to lashing out, acting out, being overwhelmed. Um, and I don't want to lose any of our children to the women that are in their life trying to take care of them, but they just can't do it anymore. Yes. These All right. Heroes. Heroes in their yes. own life. And he... We can't afford to lose any sheroes. They're part of history. No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, hey, sis, hey, take that cape off and let your family, your friends, or the situation, a job, just let them know, hey, this must wait because I need to check on my own self. Let them know. All right. Let's let Sabrina in. Y'all that are watching, if you're still with us, make sure you share this. Don't be playing. Come on, y'all. I will be um, putting the, uh, the YouTube up shortly too after this video. So. Well, after this live, let's see if we can get Sabrina up in here. Okay. Sabrina, I see your, 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 your kind of your video. <laughs> Come on, let's see. Let me get you in here. Where are you at? I can't hear you if you're talking. Let's see if I can get some audio up on her. And let's see if I can get some video up on her. All right, so we're gonna let her work that out. She's on mute right now. But um, oh Monica, this was good. I think we gotta touch base on on this one again. We need we definitely need to revisit this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, so if there's any therapists out there, any life coaches out there that are watching this, um, send me a message because I would love to invite you to the show so we can really unpack this superwoman syndrome uh, slash strong black woman syndrome, you know, all that stuff. Um yeah. So if you're out there, just shoot me a message, DM me at the relationship zone. Um, I here on Facebook or wherever you may hear this at, um, but I'm on Facebook and IG. You can just drop me a message and um, I'd love to bring you on so we can talk about it. Um, so to my guests, can, can I get you on? I don't, I don't see you on. I, I mean, I see you, but I don't get, I'm not getting any volume or any camera. All right. Well, we, the show always must go on. So I don't want to wait too, too long. Um, oh, she dropped out. Okay. So let's talk about this. Let's, let's talk about the caregiving. Um, she'll be back. I'm sure. Um, so for those of you, you know, especially my age, and I, I say this because I'm realizing that a lot of my, um, my peers are experiencing these opportunities to take care of their loved ones, um, with varying abilities, um, maybe some cognitive disorders, so on and so forth. And they're making a lot of hard choices and decisions, you know, to take care of their family members. Okay, there we go. I see you. I had to go out and come back in. So I was like sitting there, but 
you know, I couldn't uh, unmute the mic. I couldn't start the video, so I don't know why. It's all good. It's all good, Sabrina. Well, you're here. We are live on Facebook already. We already got into this. Um, We were actually talking about the superwoman syndrome and, um, you know, and we got down to a little bit of prioritizing um, becoming a caregiver, a caretaker for your family. Um, And so I want to welcome you to the Relationship Zone, the podcast, um, where we talk about love, life, and all things relationships. And um, of course, tonight you are here to share a bit about your experience um, as becoming a caregiver for um, your loved ones. And um, so I'm sure there's a lot of people that will watch this that hopefully will gain something from this conversation. Um, It's such a big conversation. We're having to condense it to like a 20, 30 minute, 40 minute tops. Um, But I'm thinking we can hit on a few key points and maybe come back again and and honestly, I think we can just keep this conversation going um, around our kitchen tables because as I was sharing earlier with Monica, um, with our, you know, this, at our age, this generation, we are beginning to reach back and take care of our, our mom, dad, uncles um, that are of age now. And so um, it's life-changing. Uh, so for those that are, that are listening, um, caregiver is anyone who provides help to one another in need. Um, such as an ill spouse or partner, disabled child, aging relative. Um, And so tonight we're talking with um, Sabrina, who just so happens to be taking care of an aging relative. So again, welcome to the Relationship Zone. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So this is my co-host, Monica. She is our guest co-host for another, I don't know, like 12 weeks or so. (laughs) So I'm excited to have Monica here to um, join me in on this conversation as well. Hey, Monica. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. So, so Sabrina, so here's how we want to start this. Um, I think uh, Monica and I both have a, a couple questions, of course, we want to um, to kind of hop into. But um, I, I would love to maybe get just a quick, you know, understanding as to how you became a caregiver. How were you chosen? How was this path chosen for you um, to become a caregiver? And how long have you been doing this? Um, the beginning of it, I guess the beginning of the story is, um, I'm an only child. My parents had me, um, basically in their mid forties. So the expectation of me becoming a caregiver, of course, started early on sooner than most, because I was one of those change of life. Um, 46 now. So I got a phone call from my mother is how it all started where she basically was saying, you know, uh, I need you to tag team in because your father's driving me crazy. So it started with my father coming to live with me because she was trying to hold on to her sanity because she had physical ailments going on. And his issues was he was suffering from depression, um, which went way back from being in the military, uh, childhood issues that were never addressed. Uh, he was in the Korean War and a number of things that just transpired throughout his life. And that occurred because, you know, as seniors, when you retire and, you know, when you stay busy with working and other things in life, it doesn't hit you until you stop working. So for him, it was more so a depression hit when he became retired. So um, he came to live with me and he was living with me for about eight years until he got a diagnosis of colon cancer. Um, So that's kind of the background story where initially at first um, I was working full time, um, also had side businesses and really kind of got out of the workforce because they didn't really 
um, have respect for the FMLA paperwork that I had in. So I kind of got out of that and never really looked back because I didn't want to go through that bad experience again with employment. So then I just basically uh, expounded on having home-based business. That way I could take care of him full-time and still have to drive back and forth of taking care of her as well. Wow. 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 Monica, do you have anything to ask or add to that? I know I see you. It's like, you can feel it, right? Um, when, when Sabrina's tell, sharing this, um, it's like, we can, we can place ourselves at those phases and stages. You know, when you say you were working, you had your own thing going on and now you're having to give this up to, to rightfully take care of those that took care of you. I get it. But man, what that must have been like to make those changes um, in your life, probably when your life is, is p- popping and taking off. So I'm looking yeah. at Monica because she's like, I can feel all of this. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and and, and so Monica may be feeling it for a different reason. So I would love to hear um, if you could just kind of give us a little bit of, of what that emotion was, Monica, that I saw in your face. <laughs> You know, that's such a bad habit. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, so I have to do better with that. Good luck with that. (laughs) Uh, And and you're correct. Looking at it from the perspective of my aunt who raised me, and she raised me because I was involved in a very terrible accident um, that killed my entire family as a little girl. And so I suffered from an incomplete spinal cord injury. So I had to walk with a cane. She was already a single mother with two kids of her own. And here I go asking her to take me in when all my other aunts were very capable and and could have taken me in. But for some reason, I chose my aunt in Richmond. And that was then an added burden. And so she was working two jobs to make sure that she kept a safe and comfortable environment for her two kids. Because again, she's a single mother. So she wanted to raise them in an environment that was healthy and uh, that was very comfortable and that they wouldn't be able to get into any type of trouble. At least it wasn't going to be regularly available for them as soon as they step out the door. And then here I come along. And so she had to make some complete changes to the point where she had to decrease the number of hours that she was working at her second job down to her main job. And then her main job, her health insurance went up. It was skyrocketed because she now has a child with a disability that she has to now try to figure out if she's going to be eligible for any type of Medicaid services because of her disability because she now gets a social security check. So all of these different type of variables that came into play that just pretty much uprooted her and her entire family, her entire family of her two kids, and to now have to manage all of this with limited income, including now even having the social security check because with that, I had different doctor's appointments and different types of um, health-related matters that need to be addressed as a little girl because of the type of injury that I sustained. And it was was pretty bad um, as a little girl. So I was coming to it from that emotion because I can can identify um, slightly different perspective, but the common denominator was the all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, yeah. um, just the the change, and then you having to adapt and adjust to that change, along with even your father. You know, your, I'm sure your father was a very autonomous man. You know, in the military, had a certain structure, and now all of that changes. 
because of these diagnoses. So, you know, changes for you, changes for him. And so I felt that, and that's yeah. where that emotion came from. Yeah. Sabrina, do you want to add anything to that? Well, yeah, I mean, I just knew when I got that phone call that my whole social life and everything was like done. Because yeah. I was like the party person, um, event planners. I had a successful, um, and this is being transparent here, adult <laughs> toy business where I oh, did- Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Adult toys do tell, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you see my earline. <laughs> <laughs> and the conversation just pivoted. No, I'm just <laughs> okay so an adult toy business and man all right go ahead <laughs> that and i did taxes i did a number of things um yeah. selling sneakers i would drive wow. back and forth to new york and you know perfumes fragrances all anything I, my motto back then was i would sell any and everything except for my mother good good well what about your dad though no i'm <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I understand. So, you know, so, so, so we're, we're talking how many years ago, like, did your life begin to change? Because if I heard you right, you move your father in with you. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. So let's unpack that a little bit. Um, two, two folds. How did, like, when did that change and financially how did you manage that type of change going from all these various streams of income to, I don't know what you wound up going to at, during that time with your father? Um, basically, I've always been a pre-planner for the pre-plan. So saving money was always, you know, with all those different types of, you know, uh, hustles, I guess, or entrepreneurship. And, you know, I would, I would say, but then I was also a frequent flyer shopper type person. So it was a combination of the two. Then he had a little bit of, you know, income of his own that I could expound on. So um, with that, I mean, I didn't really see it as a big deal from that perspective. I just okay. saw it as a time thing. And I know that's different for, you know, everyone because all of his stuff was pretty much in place. It was just the move and the time and the space. And my agreement with him is, you know, we gonna hash this out. And my only requirement from you is just don't burn the house down. I don't care what you do. <laughs> and so with I have that a question. Okay, sure, please go ahead. Okay. So what I would like to know is, is what coping mechanisms did you adopt to maintain a healthy mental health? Uh, and um, I'm just curious because of, you know, again, coming to it from the, from my experience and the perspective of my aunt and being raised by, by her. Um, so I just want to know what coping mechanisms did you, did you go to research on or, or that you even developed for yourself to make sure that you were strong enough to take care of your father? Oh, that's a perfect question. I'm so glad you asked. Um, because I would say beginning, I mean, growing up, I've always been a spiritual person, but in my twenties, I could say, at least for that part, before I got, you know, in the backslidden state, um, I've always been considered a holy roller, you know, from my twenties up until my thirties. So I could say meditation, prayer, but then by the time I got into my thirties, before, um, around the time that he came to move it, I was drinking because I became yeah. that party person. Yeah. So it's like, okay, and 
Um, yeah, I would say for the most part, it, it probably was drinking. It probably yeah. was. Yeah. 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 I Thank you for that transparency, trying- man. Cause absolutely. Yeah. I, I can, I, I can totally get that. I, I can see how that would be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say that, um, um, the hardest part was relationship wise and, you know, friendships and socialization, but I still try to get that in, but, you know, sparingly, but at the time, in the beginning, you know, it wasn't like he needed around the clock care. So yeah. I still had some wiggle room for things. I just couldn't be my authentic self totally because he wouldn't have understand that party person and having parties at the house and, you know, pool parties and all these people because he was a real quiet man. So it's like all this ruckus would it like, you know, it, I already growing up was a little crazy. So I always got falsely accused of being a drug addict anyway. So yeah. that just would have validated his uh, thought process. Right. <laughs> so, so, so I'm curious now, your father has since, um, he's transitioned, uh, if yeah. I recall our conversation, but now you're left with your mom. Um, yeah. And uh, your mom is, of, how old is your mom? My mom is 90. Your yes, mom my- is 90. That's a blessing. That is a ble- Let's clap for that. Please. Yes, yes. That is yes, such a blessing. Yes, you yes, are so yes. blessed. Um, and I'm just saying that from, yeah. I lost my mother at 30 years old from the wow. accident that I was in. Wow. So oh, wow. what yeah. a blessing it is. And, and, and you remember, uh, Sabrina, I've shared this, and I say this to anyone that has the privilege, I call it a privilege to take care of your parents. Um, it can be a bit, in, a bit of an inconvenience, I'm sure. However, I call it a privilege because I wish I would have had the opportunity to take care of my father. And, um, and I tried and I wanted to, and I always offered, but he did not want to be a burden. Um, I don't know why he always thought he would be a burden. He was a little ornery, but I get it. Um, but I would have taken it on. I would have given it all up. And, you know, I didn't have some, you know, fantabulous dating life at the time. I mean, at the time when I was asking, my daughter was, was leaving the nest and um, I was steady making room for my father. So I, I really, really wanted the opportunity to um, spend time with him, you know, during this phase of his life. And unfortunately, you know, he passed away and I was not able to do that. Uh, um, but with you and your mom at 90, 90, um, like h- how are you managing that? And, and, you know, do she need the round, the round the clock care, or are you able to kind of have a life and still be there for mom? Um, yes and no. I still have that, um, you know, wiggle room to do certain things. Um, mm-hmm. She doesn't need around the clock care because um, unfortunately for my father, after he got his diagnosis, it was in April of 2019. In July of 2019, I moved back to my childhood house where I grew up with my mom so that I could take care of the both of them at the same time. So I, I consider it like we all had a level, like my mom was upstairs, my father had the whole basement to himself and my um, breathing room area was the first level where I, you know, pretty much had, you know, my uh, yeah. unwind location mm-hmm. or take drinks or, you know, whatever vice, you know, yeah. I, I was able to, uh, but um, it, it's, it's still a little rough as far as even with relationship wise or anything from that matter, because the last situationship that I got out of, um, 
the person claimed that they were understanding, but not so much. Mm. So it was more lip service than actual compassion and understanding. Because yeah. there was a time that um, they were actually here when my mother had an episode. Oh, and that's the other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, my mother is has uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. Wow. So that's the um, interesting uh, part of the caretaking, you know, thing. So, yeah. um, but I, from the beginning of knowing and getting um, as much information as possible about, you know, her diagnosis so that I could have been well prepared and also too watching the signs to know that that was what was going on because when I wasn't living here and I, I was coming here before she got diagnosed the first uh, sign was she was putting the tv remote in the um um charger for the cordless phone so that was oh, one tell tell sign I, I, I'm, I'm, I kind of do that myself but <laughs> <laughs> girl I need some blood work done no, I'm just wow you know that no no see I, you know, I have to make light of it a little bit but um wow uh so so whenever you discovered that's what was going on that was like a clear indicator that wait a minute yeah and this is yes. happening obviously on repeat correct yes until I changed phones because at first I was wondering why sometimes I would try to call and I couldn't get through and then you know, she would cover it up real well, even still today, you know, she's in denial and she covers it up real well, because even if she doesn't remember your name, everybody's her girl and, you know, her best friend. So if you didn't know, then oh, know, I love she, it. it's just like, she loves everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, just to make light of it, that I guess that's the beautiful piece. It's oh. the fact that she loves everyone. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, that it it, it really is you are so right that's the beautiful piece of it but um I know it has to be hard still watching the mom that you know and love go through these changes and but the good part of that is that you're there to take care of her versus anyone else and you know that she's been taken care of properly absolutely and the other thing I wanted to add is reference to um you know, in, in dealing with someone, whatever the diagnosis is, but in that with Alzheimer's and dementia, the doctor initially had um, prescribed a medication. I can't think of what name it is right now, okay. but um, it started ca- causing more complications than actually dealing with the actual diagnosis. So that's another thing that people should be mindful of in any diagnosis is to pay attention to those signs because when she kept saying that she was having stomach issues and other um, problems that was caused by the medication that superseded actually having the diagnosis. So I was like, well, and since that's the actual thing that's, you know, causing these issues, let me just take that away. So I would rather her go through the process than to have all these extra, you know, side effects that are more detrimental than actually going through the process, you know, organic yeah. or natural. Wow. 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 Well, let's pivot in this conversation just a little bit. Um, I do know that, you know, caregiving is a thing now, right? Because there are so many people that have um, taken on the role as a caregiver, caretaker of their loved ones. And um, there are certain policies and laws that are in place to support um, those that are caregiving uh, and the families. And, um, and this is something, you know, in the Black community, I think we need to definitely talk about because, you know, some of us can't afford to allow our family members to go off to assisted livings and this and that. And this is just the truth. And it's not just 
black it is anyone that may be you know living you know below the poverty line or you know just just right there at it um it's very very mm-hmm. expensive but for you in your family in your situation um like do, are there any policies or laws that you would love to see change or maybe happen um that could better support those that are in the care given or caretaking role and their families um the one that i capitalized on when i first moved back to dc that i um knew was in place was the uh, death by dignity. And that was for my father, him having a terminal uh, illness. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what other states have that in place, but I knew that DC was a location that, you know, had that. Um, that's one thing that was good that I knew that um, I didn't have to uh, worry about him continuing to suffer through what he was going through. And, um, you know, I was, it was easy for me to make that decision and not be selfish to want to hold on to him and, you know, let him go. Can and, you, you know, tell, can you tell the viewers a little bit more and myself a little bit more about death by dignity? Is it death by dignity act or yeah. Yeah. Okay. can you tell us a little bit more about that? So that, you know, so that we understand what that means. Um, it's just when, uh, you have like possibly a six month to a year, I believe, um, terminal diagnosis mm-hmm. that medically you can, you know, I, I hate to call it like the Kevorkian act or like, you know, right. something more of like assisted suicide basically mm-hmm. is the other derivative, but it's similar to that where a person is, it, is like still giving somebody their dignity, but letting them go at the same time. Mm. Wow. If, wow. If that's their choice, you know, at least you yeah. get that choice in the matter. Right. Right, right. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Monica, do you have a question? (laughs) I don't, surprisingly, right? (laughs) Because I'm known for questions. No. Like you're you're into this, like you're actually watching the interview. (laughs) I I am, again, uh, so many um, common denominators with what you have shared. Um, especially the coping mechanism pieces. Um, I remember in in my 20s, it was a total opposite though. In my 20s, I was that full-fledged heathen, you know, hanging out with the skirts to the, you know, to the knee, boots to the knee. Well, you you know. Um, So, you know, the, you know, drinking, I, you know, was doing my thing. And then as I got older, of course, you go back to that foundation that was those principles and and uh, religious principles that's, that was indoctrinated. So as I got older, then I went back to uh, how I was raised and the way that you should carry yourself and how the way you should conduct yourself. And you know that the only support that you need is right there in front of you. The tool that you need is that Bible. Um, as long as you have the Bible and as long as you have that beautiful relationship with the almighty, you'll be good to go. But in my twenties, you know, that I was like, sorry, Lord, I'm going to put that, put you, you know, on the back burner for, you know, just for, just for a couple of years, oh. you know, a couple of years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, so I was, I was off the hook, you backslide. I was, I was that full-fledged heathen. Now, you know, you know, I still, just I'm going to be honest here, still got one foot you know, in the heathen world. Just, 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 a, you know, a little bit of foot, you know, the other way. so, you know, it's working on me, but you know, in all seriousness, uh, no, I, I, I don't have any questions. I, I do want to say this. Um, 
I think what you shared this evening uh, was definitely um, very beneficial. Uh, I think a lot of us, especially when we get into our 40s, we, we don't think about the, the, the prospect or the, the day when it comes when we do have to step out, step up and help. Um, going back to that superwoman syndrome, you see, I didn't say I do it all or, you know, my cousin, you know, do it all, that we help with taking care of the person that uh, provided for us, that sacrifice for us or as my grandmother would say my mom's mother uh, mother would say you know running from pillar to post yeah um you know we we make sure that we show them that we appreciate what they've done for us by then you know putting a few things of our of, of ourselves and what we do um in our lives and put that a little bit down the back burner to help out um mm-hmm. to you know, be that that caretaker and be that that apparatus for that individual. Uh, but you still also have to try to find that balance. And I think with my aunt, she struggled with that, um, that piece. Cause again, now she had three kids. And so her social life was cut even more from half to probably, you know, especially over half, because now at this point, you know, you have a niece, you know, two girls, one boy, two girls, same age, you know, one has, again, uh, these extra challenges, but this extra, you know, stuff and, and extra health um, issues that need to be supported and addressed. And so her, she wanted to date. She wanted to, you know, go and hang out with some girlfriends from time to time. And she should have been able to do that more because of the sacrifices that she made, but she didn't. She didn't. Um, and I will always be indebted to her for those sacrifices. And I wish that she would have been able to have that, that balance and not be that superwoman because she had family. And although I, we had an aunt that came to, you know, stay in and to help out, she wasn't able to help as much because of her own um, individual struggles, her own personal struggles that she had. And that played a role into her being a support mechanism for my aunt, my other aunt. Um, so you know, I just think it's very important that we, you know, do what we can for our parents, you know, find coping mechanisms that, you know, would be pleasing to the almighty. Although, you know, we may slip from time to time. Or just you know, to so. our body. Or just to our body, yeah, that's, you know. Be good to, to yourself. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, making sure that we try to do some things that is comfortable and, and, and enjoyable for us so that we can be better caretakers and better supporters um, for our loved ones. So I, I think you you just gave us a lot to think about. You shared a lot with us and um, I just appreciate what you do. And I'm very happy for the fact that you still have your mom here at 90. Yeah. And yes, she does have dementia and Alzheimer's, but to, to give, yeah. to give, to, to have that. Um, it's, it's just a blessing, you it's know, a to, see, thing. to still see that. It's a beautiful thing it's to see beautiful. that woman that carried you in her womb yeah. and you still yeah. are with her to yeah. this day. It's a beautiful Physically. thing. I couldn't yeah, see it any other way, to be honest with you. See, that's yeah. what I love. You know, one thing for sure is this, um, you know, we, we may all need someone w- one day to take care of us as well. Uh, I always hope that I've, send up enough timber that uh I'll, I'll be okay <laughs> I don't know I just hope I have 
And um, I'm very humble. My father has always told me, baby, people have to do, but they don't have to do for you. Um, so always be grateful. And um, so I look at what you're doing. I'm thinking like, wow, I bet, I bet when your mom is in her right mind, she's grateful because there's a lot of children that walk away from their parents. They're like, it's too much. And they throw them in a, in a home. And my sister used to work in homes and these parents would not even see their, these families, they, they wouldn't see their family members. No one would show up. No one would come by. And on record, they would have family. They would have three daughters, you know, two sons and a daughter and this and that all on paper. And the only time that my sister and, and others would see them is if that person has died. And um, that's unfortunate. So when I, I never wanted to see my father go into a home. And so that was one of the key reasons. Um, and, and, you know, he was, you know, he stayed home until he basically was hospitalized and was forced to, you know, go to a rehab center. But, um, but you've made a choice not to put your, your mom or even your father. And I, I think it's just a beautiful thing. Um, I commend you on doing that. And, um, and it makes me ask this, this, I have two questions. One is um, your support circle. Um, I know that the Alzheimer's and dementia community has a lot of support programs for families that are dealing with this. And I want to know your experience, if you've tapped into that, and if someone's listening that may not know about that, like, can you share some information about it if you have tapped into those resources? Um, honestly, I haven't as much as I probably could have. I just did my own research and you know, try to work with her to the best of my ability. And especially now with the pandemic going on, it's like, I yeah. really don't want a lot of people, you know, coming here in the house. And the time that I did have like a nurse and stuff coming in, she ended up getting COVID. So wow. kind of overprotective from that perspective, but there are a lot of, there's um, organizations that just get, are geared towards that. And um, there's a lot of information if you want to, you know, do that as far as uh, self, you know, care as well too for your love. Yeah. So, I mean, the information is definitely out there. I can't say that I've tapped into one of those mm -hmm. specific organizations myself. Okay. All right. So I have, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, please go ahead. No, I, I initially just um, from a care per caretaker's perspective have just joined other like support groups from that perspective, yeah. but not from the Alzheimer's dementia. Okay, that's good. But you, you yourself, um, obviously, you've tapped into uh, a support group for yourself, which I think is yeah. Yeah. is necessary. That, and that's also from a grief perspective yeah. and a caretaker's perspective, and also from just a community perspective. So mm -hmm. several like groups, um, with you know, just joining with Zoom calls, just like this, you know, mm -hmm. for um, support as well. And in mm -hmm. the past, even with taking care of my father when he was living with me. I've had some great friends that have tag teamed in, you know, for if I needed to take a vacation or if I was in burnout mode and just needed to get away. Yeah. Just somebody that would either stay with him or come and check on him, you know, for me. Right. Yeah, because girl, I know you need to get away because, you know, we all need to get away. It doesn't matter if we oh, got yeah. someone else. Look, I got, I have, I have had, I have raised two able-bodied adult children now and I've been needing to get away for, <laughs> for years. <laughs> And you've done a fabulous job to raising you, your two kids. You, you've done a fabulous you, job. You're you. not going to say it if it's not true. Thank you so much. So yeah, I've been needing to get away. Um, so listen, uh, I am making it a habit to ask um, a final question to our guest. Um, 
and something that you may want to think about, but here it goes. Uh, and, um, be, but before I do ask that, I think I did ask you to share some information, right? Did we share that already? I think so. Yeah. I think I you asked have. that I may have already asked it. Yeah, I, I could have already. I, I, I think you have. Okay, I cool. do All have right. another question, but oh. I'll. I'll well, no, no, you go with your question because I have a, a end of show question for um, our oh, guest. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you mentioned that you did have a nurse come in uh, at one point in time that was helping out, and so under the Department of Labor, that is considered considered a companion. Um, so those are you know nurses, caretakers, maids, etc. And just from my experience of just doing disability policy, you know, for a living for candidates and for the Democratic Party, um, I know at one point in time, in terms of the minimum wage and increasing the amount that a companion should be making for the home-based community services and supports that they were providing, because that's what that was, um, but they didn't have as many protections um, as much as they should have. And so I wanted to know if you knew anything about whether DOL has released any new regulations or updates pertaining to protecting those companions that contract COVID, uh, and how that how that um, how that would uh, if that if the new regulation supports them and supports them in what way because they are working um, well their wages have increased some you know above minimum wage but how that uh, protects the companion and also protects you all as the clients. That's a good question. And I cannot say that I have done the research on that because when my mother contracted COVID and even the initial agreement, because it was through um, DC Caregivers Organization or Institute, I think it is here in the city. Okay. And it's a free service. They give you um, an assessment and tell you how many hours that you have a, um, you know, a companion come in or, you know, a nurse or whatever to come in. And um, I can't say that I looked into the fine print as far as from the worker's uh, perspective. Okay. okay. I just knew that I was just uh, tapping into a free service and was going to, you know, give me some relief. And it's nothing wrong with free service and some reprieve. So I'm, I'm with you. I know that's right. Well, that completes my questions, Queenie. Back to you. Thank you so much. All right, Sabrina, this is my uh, end of show question for you. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask it, but before um, before you answer, if there's any tips you want to leave for anyone that is a caregiver or maybe, you know, maybe moving into that stage or space, um, you can speak to that now and then you can, I'll give you the question after that. I want to make sure you have a moment to speak to those that are watching um, that may be entering this phase in their life or their, their um, loved one's life. I would say um, first, always self-care, self-care, self-preservation, first and foremost, always, because you can't take care of someone else if you haven't taken care of yourself. So my thing is always staying up on doctor's appointments, know if there's anything going on with you before you can, you know, address what's going on with the loved one. Um, like for instance, this morning I went to um, PT and you know, rehab, just so to make sure that all my joints and stuff and everything's moving properly. Um, advocacy, um, getting second opinions, third opinion, however many opinions. Um, what else? Oh, addressing, you know, depression that can happen in seniors as well as 
you know, what can, or preventative measures for, you know, caretakers going into depression. Um, safety and security. Um, having everything in place for fall prevention, um, making sure, because there's also a free service in the city, in DC, and I'm pretty sure they might have it everywhere where, um, you know, someone will come in and do an assessment of, you know, grab bars or anything um, related to uh, either falling when it comes to, you know, the tub, the bathroom. I had them put in a higher like toilet, you know, for my mother. And, you know, I, I've done everything so that I can save my back so that I could be able to take care of her when doing certain things. Um, even though she's not bedridden and she's still mobile, even with, you know, there's certain, not fully mobile, but, you know, she's got a few issues, but, um, yeah, just stuff in advance for that. Um, tap into whatever medical supplies, because there's organizations out here that will give you free medical supplies. Because at first I'll spend a whole lot of money on like incontinence supplies and yeah. different medical supplies. When later on I found out there's organizations and churches and you know different places and that you can tap into that will give you all of that stuff for free. Yeah. So now I don't spend a dime on incontinence products or you know uh, minor like medical you know things, walkers. Uh, rollators stuff like that wow thank you for sharing that i i, mm -hmm. I thank you for sharing that all right here's my question to you <clears throat> share one of life's turning points with us and the lesson that you took away from that experience <clears throat> could be anything it doesn't have to be related to your mom <laughs> or dad <laughs> wow um I would have to say one of my turning points in everything now is just period overall in life is peace of mind and tranquility, no matter what your situation is, just find whatever your peace is. And because for a long time, I used to always think about being safe, playing it safe. But the key to everything is people compromise safety or even in the pandemic for happiness. So find your happy place, find whatever it is that makes you happy, do whatever it is, you know, for your peace. So for me, that's where I have transitioned into and will carry on for 2022 here on out. Oh, I love it. Well, Sabrina, listen, it has been real. Thank you so much for stopping by, chatting with us during our Hey Sis, Hey, You All Right? Um, series. I am loving it uh, already. And it's um, a hell of a way to kick off, you know, our very first, <laughs> our very first show um, with a guest. And uh, I, I love what you brought to this conversation. I love what you brought to this space. And I hope that those that are watching that may be entering this, you know, they began to think about all the things that you shared, the things that like what your father had in place, um, the changes you've gone through with your mother, um, the changes you went through, you know, the adjustments you had to make in your life, uh, being a single, uh, or, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, only child. Um, so I hope that that people are, are, they will listen to this and they'll take something from it um, that they can use on their journey because we do not know what tomorrow brings for any of us. It doesn't have to be age that we have to turn around and take care of someone. It could be an accident. It could be just, it could be our mind. It could be walk out. It could be long haulers, COVID syndrome. It could be anything. And suddenly our entire lives change 
And because of the empathy and compassion that we have for our loved ones, we decide that we're going to take on that responsibility and take care of them. So thank you for sharing and being vulnerable in a space like this and talking about something as close to the cuff as caring for your family and the vulnerabilities that you felt, you know, as a human trying to make these adjustments in life. So thank you again, Sabrina. Can I add one more thing? Of course you can. Um, the other concern that I had with, uh, that I found out in taking care of my father when he got his diagnosis is insurance companies and doctors do not uh, promote um, getting, um, because he was diagnosed with colon cancer, um, you know, the checks for that. And I would, I would compel any man or any person taking care of a male to, or just anyone period to stay on that because after 65, it's not, it's not something that they do. Unless wow. you show signs of it, it's not, it's not automatic. They, they stopped doing it up until, and I found that out the hard way because my father was 89 when he was diagnosed. And, Ooh. you know, it, between 65 and 89 is a long time. And when he got the diagnosis, it, it was already stage four. Oh. Yeah. So wow. that was the only thing I wanted to add. Is, no, that's a, that's a big thing. Thank you for adding that. Oh, yes. Wow. All right. Listen, thank you again. So for those of you out there on Facebook, thank you so much. Um, Sabrina's going to, she's going to leave and we're going to stay here with you guys for another 10, 15 minutes to kind of unwrap this whole thing. Um, so hang tight, Sabrina, thank you so much. And um, it's like you're at home. You can kind of let yourself out <laughs> unless you want me to walk you to the door. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And God bless you both. Thank you so much. Thank Sabrina. you, Sabrina. Pleasure meeting you. <laughs> we'll catch up. Bye. <laughs> wow. Very, very, Ooh. very interesting conversation. Um, she shared a lot. Wow. Uh, a lot to, to the point where you could feel you could connect with those feelings and those emotions. And that's probably what you were seeing from me. For sure. You can, you can feel. And so imagine if this was, uh, if we had this in person, oh, this type sure. of dialogue and conversation, yeah. because you could actually feel um, the, even just the different emotions that she yeah. experienced yeah. Um, from being a caretaker, being the only child. And again, uprooting your life yeah for the right reasons right, the right reason yeah for the right reasons yeah because she wanted to make sure that she showed her parents how appreciative she was of the sacrifices that they made for her mm -hmm. on the flip side on the opposite side of that of that coin you now have to embrace and adjust to this new life yeah I can identify with that um, as, as a little girl, uh, you know, you're now faced with this, this whole new, whole new experience, whole new life. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it, it shapes you in a lot of ways. Um, and it makes you sit back and, you know, do a lot of self-reflecting, even doing some self-examination as you're being the caretaker uh, and I may be going too deep and, and, and going too, too far with this, but I, I say all that to say, Queenie, uh, that this conversation was definitely needed. 
very much needed, especially for individuals that's in our age bracket and even individuals who think at a certain level that are futuristic thinkers. I've always been a futuristic thinker. So I've always was thinking three, five years ahead versus looking at short term. And so even for those individuals that are futuristic thinkers that are in their late 20s, early 30s, and, and maybe had, you know, they were born by parents in their 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, even me, I still have that desire to, to have kids. Um, at least one. I want one little girl. Yeah. My, my sister, um, who was a, a baby, and I love little girls. And, yeah. and for my family that may be watching, they know that they're they're my cousin's kids. They're they're my kids. Yeah. And they treat me like you know, like I'm the other parent, and I treat them <laughs> like they're, they're my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and me even thinking of that point when I am you know over 65, 70 years old, and having a kid of my own you know, at the age that I'm at, you know, that's something that she would have to do, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, having a, a parent who already has a physical disability that walks with a cane. I have to constantly, you know, like, you know, I have to do physical therapy for the rest of my life. Yeah. That intense torture set, and I call it torture for those that are watching, <laughs> if it's intense, because I do CrossFit, don't get it twisted now, yeah. I do, do CrossFit. Uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, you know, that, that comes with, that comes with a lot, even with my future husband. Yes, he will see the independence and stuff that I have, but as I get older, their, you know, their opportunity will present that I may have an additional challenge, um, that, you know, he would then have to step up or I may even have to step up, you know, along with managing my disability. Uh, so these are just the type of conversations and discussions that we should be having. We definitely should because I think it helps to put these things in our, on our mind. Um, because if we're blessed to live long enough, we may be having to face these things. Uh, I think I've been thinking about my end of life story. If I, you know, grow old, um, for many years, I've always thought like that because I was blessed to see my grandmother become older and my grandfather. And, you know, my father was in his late eighties or mid eighties and, you know, and I've always had an admiration and a love for the elderly um, or seniors, uh, so much so that I advocate currently at my job on behalf of um, seniors that are experiencing homelessness. And it, 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 I become extremely passionate in every meeting whenever we bring it up, because there's not enough resources out here for, you know, those over 65, 70 with disabilities or not that um, are facing homelessness. So yeah, it, it, you know, this is something that is important to me. Uh, and, 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 and I think in addition to listen to Sabrina, when she shared that she is the only child to those families that, you know, you're not there taking care of that mom or dad that's sick, but your sibling is don't give them that hard of a time. If they're doing the best they can, right. you're not there. Right. And I'm telling you, Listen to Sabrina, just imagine she had a sister or brother that's in a different state and, and she's here because this happens a lot. There is that one child that stays there and takes care of that mom or dad. And then those on the outside give that child pure hell. So I think we have to be mindful that there's a lot of changes that take place. And, and that sibling that's at home, they had a life, they had a future. 
but for whatever the reason they chose to stay back and take care of mom and dad. And so it doesn't help if you're not supportive, it doesn't help if everything they do is a problem. It doesn't help if you, when you do fly in, you know, you want to, you know, ruffle feathers and tell them what they are doing wrong in this. Yeah. You do, do not do that because this is hard work. And it's hard work mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually. Absolutely. And if I may add, Queenie, I forgot to mention, if I may add, (laughs) this just came to me. Thank you, God. Or maybe thank you, you know, um, my grandparents, my mom's father. um, I forgot what my, uh, my grandfather, my grandpa was diagnosed with, but at any rate, one of his legs had to be amputated. He was a smoker. Mm -hmm. He smoked Mm -hmm. and drank. And he was living um, in the country, um, in a rural area in Virginia. And uh, my aunt Nini, the same woman <laughs> that took me in wow. and raised me, my grandfather moved in with us. Yep. So now she had her father, who also at that point now was pretty much confined to the bed. Like he was, a, I think he was able to, if I remember correctly, he was able to um, transfer from the wheelchair to um, to the bed and, and vice versa, but she had a nurse come in. But now, so she had her father there, you know, with the nurse coming in to assist um, during the day and um, in the evening, we had to help out, yeah. um, help my aunt out. Then, okay, then she has a niece who also, you know what I'm saying, has this physical disability. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in the process of going from a wheelchair to a walker, from a walker to two crutches, from two crutches to one. Yeah. And I and I helped out. And mm-hmm. I, I also helped my, you yeah. know, my, as much as possible, as much as I, because I was just like, wait a minute, you know, hmm, <laughs> I can help out too, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I still got this other arm because the cane is yeah. on one arm. Don't mean I can't do something with the other arm. Yeah. Um, but that that's my, to your point, you know, and that, you know, when her, when my other aunts and stuff would come to the house to visit my, uh, my grandfather, I will say this, they did not critique my aunt though. Because they knew that my aunt was doing the yes. best that she could. Right. And so it's very, you're right, it's very critical and important to know that, you know, siblings need to be mindful of the fact that if you're not helping as much as you can to alleviate that stress, to decrease the superwoman syndrome off of right. that particular sibling, don't basically don't come for me. I'm unless telling I you. Ask, you know, unless I check you. If <laughs> unless you- I... If you can't help me, then don't try to block me. Move out of my way. I mean, don't, you know, that's, that's one of the things I think that, um, that we need to think about. Um, well, you know, I've pretty much lost all of my elders. I I have one amazing aunt still left in um, Jersey. Um, and she's living her best life. Okay. She is living a full life. And of course her daughter and her son-in-law and all, you know, the family is around her taking care of her. But I, I would never be trying to tell them that they're not doing something right. They're sacrificing so much. And I mean, she's beautiful. She's a wonderful person anyway. Um, but I see, you know, I've seen that happen in families where, you know, when my, you know, and I'm not saying myself, but someone would say like, my sister is down there taking care of my mom and she's not doing this right, doing right. I, I tend to discourage that conversation. I tend to say, you know, well, you know, have you gone there to see what's happening? you know, go there for the appointments, go there, see what it's like, because not only is it difficult for them, but 
sometimes the caretaker is depressed. You know, they're trying to figure out they, and they, they feel guilty for being depressed. Um, they feel guilty for being upset. They feel guilty for being mad that they're left to take care of the person that they, I mean, there's a lot of emotion that goes through that. And I just think that, um, I think that we need to be considerate of those that are taking care of our loved ones or a loved one and understand that they need a moment as well. Um, and if we can provide that, if we can, you know, offer some type of support, then I think that we should step up and do that. It's just not easy. Uh, it doesn't have to be elderly. It could be just, it could be a child as you're speaking that has a disability or a child that, you know, has, um, I mean, there's so many you know, autism, you know, autistic yes. children are super, super, super demanding um, to take care of them. They're amazing babies, but it's so much to take care of them. And I remember I have friends that have children that are autistic and I know that they need a moment. So being a caretaker, you know, it, it's a lot. And listen to Sabrina, is it brings me back to thinking like, wow, my son probably throw me right in the nursing home. My daughter, I mean, I used to think she would throw me in the nursing home, but you know, she shows up a little different. She might throw me in the basement and make sure that all, you know, everyone's, she's going to get some help. You know what I mean? Well, at least you home. I mean, oh, you know, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, yeah. in the basement. Gonna, I mean, you know. So my daughter, her coins is going to be right to make sure that, you know, her house is equipped and ready for mama. You know, um, my son probably, you know, I don't even know at this point, but hey, I'm trusting that I will be okay. Uh, I have a, I have a beautiful family extended family yeah. and I, and a great friends. I don't think they're going to just let me go like that. <laughs> Cause I'm going to be right there knocking. Yes, girl. Yes. Somebody make no, noise. You know, and I ain't got no problem traveling either. I'm you know, telling I'm you, girl. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. All right, Monica, this has been wonderful. Um, Facebook family. Thank you guys for rolling and rocking with us and staying with us tonight. Yes. Share this. Join us every Monday, 7 p.m. We are going to be um, finishing up this Hey Sis Hey You All Right um, series, and we're going to go straight into our men. I don't have a name for the men yet. Just know the men are coming. I do have a few of them already on the calendar. So every Monday, 7 p.m., um, we're going to try to keep it to an hour because I know it's football season, but that's about to end as well. So no excuses after that. So continue to join us here live on Facebook. Um, I don't know. We may hit a hit a IG live um, during this season as well. I believe. What you think Let's about that? It. Monica? Let's do it. You know, I'm always That's, game. Let's do yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I think we might take we may take one of our guests to IG and then um, have a little fun of it on Instagram, and then we'll be back to Facebook. Um, Monica, do you have anything to you have anything you want to share with the people before we wrap up tonight? I don't. I think I've spoken enough. Uh, thank you all for hanging out with us, especially with this being Monday night's football and yes. you know everything else that you could be doing. I know because I'm, I'm no looking dogs, no dogs. <laughs> College football tonight is Alabama and Georgia Bulldogs. So, um, well, yeah, I want you to know more about that football life. But um, again, thank you guys so very much. Um, just delighted, Queenie, to be a co-host with you. Thank you for sharing this space with me. It is truly a delight and privilege to be doing this with you every Monday and uh, just look forward to just seeing more of you as we continue to unveil this, this podcast, this what, eight, 12 weeks uh, that we're doing this here. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I love this. I I'm enjoying this. 
And so I just look forward to uh, everyone just continue to, uh, to join us and, and be a part of this and share this with your respective networks and friends. Yeah. You know, would love to, to see you guys and uh, love for you guys to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, so, yes, yes. I agree. Thank you so much, Monica. I'm going to um, stop our live from Facebook so we can um, kind of chat it up for a moment before I get into football and dinner. Uh, thank you guys. I see, I see the love. Thank you for the love. Thank you for all the love. I really appreciate it. Um, it's just been, it's been a pleasure. This was a good conversation. This one felt really good. It, it was it every was single thing. one of these are supposed to feel this way. So I hope that those that are watching there, they, they find a blessing in it all. So thank you guys for sticking with us. Um, it's your girl, Queenie. Uh, of course, um, you'll see me again next week. I think next week we'll be talking to, um, uh, I think we'll be talking to Lita. Thank you, Darlene. Um, and I saw that request too. Uh, I think Darlene is actually supposed to come on. I have someone that referred someone to me that's supposed to come on the show. I got, I got to see if that's Darlene. Um, but I think next week we will be talking with Lita. I, I initially thought it was my girlfriend, Deneen, but I looked at our flyers and I think it's Lita next week. And Lita um, is a self-care. I'm totally going to mess this all up but I think she's a self-care coach of sorts. Um, she does a lot of things and I don't want, I don't want to say it like, I don't know. She just does so many things. And I'm not sure the exact title that she's going um, by because it's on the flyer, but I know she's really big on healthy relationships with yourself first. So I think this is going to be a great conversation when we dig into it with her. Um, I know her personally, she's just an awesome woman. So I'm really looking forward to sitting down talking with her and let her share her ideals and thoughts and, and um, tips on health, on self-care and having healthy relationship practices with ourselves first <laughs> before we I go out here in these, in these streets trying to have streets, some right. Okay. <laughs> oh Lord. Like, you know what? Don't get me started. So let, let's just go ahead and save that for Because you hey, know wait, me. I'm wait, 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 before we go, before we go, before we go. Okay. I'm asking my final question. I'm asking this to everyone all the time. Um, and I think you and I talked about this yesterday. What is the lesson that life keeps having to teach you over and over again? <laughs> are, are we leaving that to the audience to? Uh, to... <laughs> I'm asking this every time because I'm telling you, my little hard head ass. Life keep teaching me the same thing over and over again. And I obviously I'm not learning my lesson. So I think it's funny. It's like, uh, I think it's funny. <laughs> there are certain lessons that life just keeps having to teach us because we hard-headed and we just not getting it. And for those that know me and know me well and live in my heart, they know I am the epitome of hard-headed, of, of hard-headed, stubborn. Matter of fact, they should have my picture right beside hard-headed in a dictionary monica and, and aka realize monica <laughs> uh you know i'm gonna share this with you because I, I said it and i and i mean it and i hear i know people you know that are, that are listening and watching this is a lesson that life keeps teaching me which is stop seeing the good in every single person that i encounter because i have the gift I do. I have a gift of seeing good and bad. I have a gift of seeing, always seeing both sides of any coin. That is a, a gift that I possess. Hence why I can sit in amongst anyone and understand what's going on. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I can make sense of it. Even, even though 
I could probably make sense of a serial killer. I'm telling you, I have that ability to, to step in and empathize and, and understand like, oh, okay. I don't agree, but I get it, right? So therefore, I see the good in everybody. Doesn't matter how much bad they show me, I can find a little bit of good. And that crap comes back to haunt me every single time. So the one lesson that life keeps having to teach me, y'all pray for me, okay? Because I'm trying, I'm trying to go stronger in this, right? Is to stop seeing the good in every bad situation. And I'm talking about intimate connections, like stop it. So now that I've been transparent and told my truth, <laughs> Monica, what's that lesson <laughs> that life keeps having to teach you over and over again before we get out of here? Uh, let me, let me just say this. I would say, um, stop being, um, stop going into moving forward, stop going into a relationship, um, and, um, and not being, um, not showing your, your, your vulnerability, mm. uh, be, be willing to, I'm always guarded always. And you know me, I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm gonna give you, especially if I like you, if I like you, I'm gonna give you a hard time. And that's just, I, I know, you know, yeah. they are, yeah. you know, they're it's, opposites it's, it's, of each it's other. The, it's the playground effect. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the playground effect. So for me, um, not to be, uh, as guarded, recognize that, yeah. recognize that. Mm -hmm. uh, cause I, I've done that in, every relationship just automatically I, I'm just like no you know no 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 yeah. um and to be honest with you it has cost me yeah it's cost me these so, are the lessons um so you know not to be as as guarded um be willing to you know to to be it's okay to show yeah. some vulnerability it, yeah. it, it is okay with that so that's my life lesson because I have done it in every relationship every relationship because I'm a piece of work as it is and then add the guard on top of it um, oh my god okay so Dorena you said what is the alternative the alternative is truly seeing people as who they really are and accepting that right and and, and I preach it and I say it I do podcasts on it I write it out I, I affirm myself in, in practicing it and then I feel bad sometimes because I can see a person for who they really are but then I can hear them and they want me to see them or they want to be seen as someone different. And I am like the queen of grace. And mm -hmm. in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, they full of it, right? Like mm -hmm. all the signs are there. You know that what they're telling you is not accurate or you know, they're selfish you know that everything they're doing is for their own gain, right? I mean, I can hear that. My spirit says it, my spider senses says it. But then I work in an industry where I have to lead with compassion. I have to lead with empathy. So I do that and then I'm upset <laughs> with myself 
what? Because I'm like, really? I can't even be mad because it's the lesson now. I, you know, I no longer get upset with the person. I get frustrated with the person, but I no longer get upset. I, you know, I cut my, cut my losses. And then I have these conversations in the mirror with myself. Like, really? I'd be like, um, Issa Rae on, uh, <laughs> on, on, uh, what's the, what's the name of the show? Um, Insecure. Insecure. That's how I'd be like, really? And I can see my alter ego in there like, chick, you, God gave you intuition. Why aren't you using it? I mean, she'd be going hard at me too. And I'd be just standing there like, yeah, I know. But then at the same time, I got this intuition, but then I want to, I mean, somebody needs to see the good in me too. Right, right. And I sometimes just leave her standing there because I'm mad, I'm angry. But seriously, Zarina, that is the alternative. Alternative is really, really honing in on the fact that I know what I know and I got to trust that. And, and, and there is no room for if I'm wrong. I just have to trust that, you know what? Discernment said, your gut right. said, and the gift that God gave me is that. And if I'm going to honor myself, I got to honor that gift. And if I'm going to honor God, I got to honor my gift. So I have to learn, but, but the lesson, thank God, I'm still here to learn it. Um, and I'm, and I, and I'm no longer upset about it. I just say, you know what? You got to do better next time. time. You want people to see the good in you. And that's the grace you offer. Absolutely. I think we grow up with the condition of treat people the way that you want to be treated. So see, it's a value that we're given. It's a gift and a curse at the same time, if you think about that. So we walk into these spaces thinking that people are going to treat us a particular way because of what we're giving off, but that's not the truth. So, so yes, I want people to give me the same grace, but I do understand that, um, yeah, it's not likely going to happen. So um, anyway, (laughs) thank you for sharing that with us. I struggle with that too, because I try my best to come. Because <laughs> you know the conversation we had yesterday. All right. So, hey, Facebook, I'm stopping this live stream. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Monica, we're going to get off of Facebook. Bye, guys. I'm hitting this lot, hitting the stop. Right <laughs> Girl, that was so, so, so 